Amen. I'm excited about this word. Let me show you one more time. Acts chapter, no, well, not one. I got two more times to show you our theme verse. Acts chapter two, verse 17 is our theme verse. We've been talking about this for a couple of weeks and I got two more messages. I've really just been diagnosing this and digging in a little bit more because we talked about the last days, right? How that's these days. What are the last days? They're these days. All right. God says, I will. This is the active tense. He is, he is actively pouring out his spirit. We just need to learn how to get under it. I will pour out my spirit on all people. And so we talked about being filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit. And I got two more messages in this series, and I really want to talk about the pour it out and for all people and look at those two parts of this, this verse. So what I want to talk to you about for the next two weeks is the gifting and the anointing. The gifting. Next week is the gifting. Today is the anointing. Somebody say the anointing. You know what the anointing is? You ever heard that? You're like, someone got the anointing. I wonder what that is. You know, what is that? What is the anointing of God? First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 says this. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, or the spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. Remember, we'll, die, we'll get into this a little bit more next week, but the Corinthian church were very gifted, but they, didn't, they were not mature in the things of God. Let me say it like this. Just because you're gifted doesn't mean you're anointed. Okay? It's the anointing that makes the difference. There's a difference between singing and anointed singing. There's a difference between preaching and anointed preaching. There's a difference between serving and anointed serving. It's the anointing that makes the difference. And it, it, the anointing, the anointing is, is like, it's hard to even explain what the anointing is, but it's when God's hand and presence is on your life so much that you know it's him, not you. Okay, that, that when you have this, when, you're, when you have the anointing, you're thinking thoughts that you know are not yours. You're like, wow, there's ideas and creativity and vision that you know, that's not me, man. Or you're doing some things that you know, that's not me doing that. Where did that come from? That's the anointing. And I want you to know today, you can cultivate more anointing in your life. Like there are levels of anointing that you can have. And, and the question is, like, how much of the presence of God do you want in your life? Because you can have as much as you want. And I want to be very clear, though, that I'm not talking about salvation here, you guys. Listen, salvation is absolutely free, and it's by faith. I'm not talking about salvation. It, you can't earn it, and we don't deserve it. That is free through grace by faith. But I'm talking about your life on this earth. Like, the, the life that you will lead and live, is it going to be in the power, in the presence, in the anointing of God, or is it going to be in your own strength? Now, some of you are thinking, well, you know, Pastor Jason, that anointing stuff might be for you. You're the preacher, you know, so for people like that, but that's not for me. The truth be known, listen to me. God wants to give you anointing to parent. He wants to give you an anointing to be a student. He wants to anoint you to be a husband. He wants, you to, he wants to anoint you to be a wife. He wants to anoint you to do whatever job that you're doing. He wants you to walk into that place with an anointing, that you're not doing that in your own strength, but under the anointing of God. First John chapter two, verse 20 says this, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. You do, we have, you have an anointing from the Holy One, okay? Now, literally, the anointing, anointing, the word means to smear with oil. And oil is always a type. It's, a, it's, it's the presence of God, you guys. That's what it, it signals or signifies. It's, it's the presence. So it is, it's to be smeared in or smothered in or the presence of God like all over your life to, to give you power and abilities that you do not have in yourself. 
Later in that chapter, verse, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, he says, The anointing you received from him remains in you, and you don't need anyone to teach you. In other words, there's going to be some things that you know that, no one, that you didn't get from a classroom. You didn't get from your education. Like 90% of what I'm doing today, I didn't learn in Bible school. Why would they want to teach me something that I would actually use? I don't know. You know what I mean? So, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, it's not counterfeit. Just as it has taught you, he goes, so do whatever it takes to remain in him, like to remain in the presence and under the anointing of God. See, there are a lot of things that you can do without the Lord even showing up. And, and there's some things that God has gifted you with. He's given you skill sets and giftings. And, and again, next week I'll get into that. And I just felt like, and I could have did it this week, but I really felt this was a word for today, you guys. But there's some things that God has given you. He's sown into your spiritual DNA, the gifts of God. They are irrevocable. He's, he put them inside of you, okay? And sometimes we can operate through that gifting and through our ability, and God doesn't even need to show up. We're just operating in that thing, and and I, I don't, like I've been, I've been doing ministry for a while now, preaching and teaching and leading for a while. And, and I tell you this, in this 21 days, I've been asking God, crying out for the anointing. Like I am dependent upon the anointing of God because what, what God wants to do, I need his power, his presence, his anointing to do it. But here's the, here's the challenge for, for me, and it's the same challenge for you. I've been doing this long enough. Like, I know some stuff. I've been preaching a long time. I got a lot of notes. I got a lot of files. I could probably give you a good sermon and not even have to study. That's not good. You see, there's, there's a lot of things that you could do that you didn't even need God to, to help you with. Because you're just, you're strong. You're gifted. You're smart. You've been doing this long enough. You could just, you could just do it on your own, and that is a problem where we can lean on our ability rather than God's ability. We can lean on what we can do rather than the anointing of God. Someone told me a while back, a while ago, he said, Pastor, I just, it was like a vulnerable moment, but he said, I just have a hard time trusting God when things are out of my control. Right? And I was like, bro, that's a contradictory statement. Like, like if you, I told him, if your faith only works when you're in control, then that's not faith. You think about the opposite of what you just said. I said, like, that's like saying, I trust God when things are in my control. And he, do, are, we, are we really operating by, by faith? Are we really operating under the anointing of God? Or, or, or is that kind of similar to your experience? When things are not in your control, do you fall apart? Do you freak out? We're operating under our own strength instead of the anointing of God. We're doing things for God and for good, but God's not even there. Y'all okay if I give you this word today? I've never, I've never taught these, this, these scriptures and the story that, like, I've never, I've never taught this before or used these scriptures, um, but I believe it's a fresh word for us today. Ezekiel chapter 44, um, verse 10 through 14. I found this verse. Look what it says. And the Levites, which were the priests, which according to 1 John chapter 2, you're a priest. You and I, we are a royal priesthood and a holy nation. We are the Levites. So here's what he says. And the Levites who went far from me, when Israel went astray, who strayed away from me after their idols, so the things that they re we replaced God with, 
they shall bear their iniquity, yet they shall be ministers in my sanctuary. So they're not close to me, they're not praying, they're not seeking my face, they're not carrying the anointing, yet they can still park cars. They can still pray for the babies. They can still make the coffee. They can still hold the camera. They can still preach the sermons. They can still play the piano. Yet, yet they shall be ministers in my sanctuary as gatekeepers of the house and ministers of the house. They shall slay the burnt offering and the sacrifice for the people, and they shall stand before them to minister, look at this, to them. But God goes, but they shall not come near to me to minister to me as priests. So you have the abilities and the giftings to still work the crowd, but you ain't working God. You okay if I, if I go here with you guys today, okay? Because God has given you some strength and experience and wisdom and abilities, and, and, and he's not gonna take, like, he's not gonna have you stop being a parent just because you ain't anointed to parent anymore. He's gonna let you keep the kids. He's going to let you keep that job, even though you're not doing it under the anointing. He's going to let you keep the gift. He's going he's to let you still be on the dream team. He's going he's to still, you can be that small group leader. But how many of you are doing it in your own gift, in your own strength, in your own ability, and not under the anointing of God, where God goes, hey, you can work them and fool them, but you ain't fooling me. And they shall not come near to me to minister to me as priests, nor come near any of my holy things, nor into the most holy place but they shall bear their shame and their abominations which they have committed. Nevertheless, I will make them, look at this, keep charge of the temple for all its work and for all that they have done. So again, he can still preach on Sunday. He's a good teacher, but okay. You can still be the parent, the job. Honestly, I'll add this, and you'll still go to heaven, but you just won't be a carrier of the presence of God. You just won't be a carrier of the anointing of God. So how do we do that? How do we cultivate the anointing in our life? How do we experience this outpouring where we're not doing it in our own strength, but we're operating under the anointing of the Holy Spirit? In Exodus chapter 28, verse 2. <laughs> um, this is another one. I've, not, I've never taught from this. Uh, yeah, who's ever heard of typology? Have you ever heard of that, like shadows and types? Okay, so in, in, in the scriptures, there is what's called, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says that, that the Old Testament and these ceremonies and rituals, that they are types and shadows. That it, they, they were done for specific purposes and intentions and meanings, but on this side of the cross, there is a deeper meaning to a lot of these ceremonies that were done. So the sacrifices of bulls and lambs, it was, a sacri like they, it was an actual ceremony that we do, but it actually reflected the sacrifice of Jesus. And there were multiple things that they would do that they would, it had meaning, but on this side of the cross, it has new or tight, a, a deeper meaning. Are you all with me, you guys? Okay. So here's one of those in Exodus chapter 28, verse two. It says this, the priests were to make sacred garments for your brother Aaron to give them dignity in honor, you go, well, these are clothes. This, this is a sermon about clothes. Because here's what happened. As these priests put on these clothes, someone say put on. put on. You got some things to put on if you want to cultivate the anointing. Yeah. It don't just come like because you want it. You got to put on some things to cultivate the anointing of God in your life. And as these priests would put on sacred garments, and I'm going to show you them, and they all have, they all have like, like, specific meaning inside of them. They, 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 and as, as they would do that, the presence of God would come in their life. The anointing of God would come in their life. There's all kinds of types and shadows. If you go read Exodus, there's another uh, type and shadow was 
the anointing oil. Okay, the oil itself was a type and shadow. You go read Exodus chapter 33 when, uh, when God was giving, like all Exodus, this whole portion of Exodus 28, 29, all, thir- all the way through 35, God's giving the people the instructions of the temple, how to build the temple, all the furnishings in the temple, and the, all those things, they all had meaning too. Every candlestick and laver, everything had, had meaning. It's beautiful, rich meaning, every one of them. Then he tells them how to make anointing oil. And he says, look, this is the way you're supposed to make it. You can't make it any other way. Don't, don't substitute this oil. I don't want to substitute. I want the real thing. I want the real anointing. And he said, and, and you're to pour it on the priests. And in Psalm 133, it actually says that, that they would pour the anointing oil on Aaron and, and the Levites and the priests, and it would cover their head and their beard, and it would drench all the way down to their feet. So, so when they actually anointed the priests, which we are priests, when they anointed the priests for ministry and service in God's house, they wouldn't just use like a little dab. Y'all know those little oil things, you know, a little dab will do you. Someone's just like, boop, they put it on your forehead like that or they put a little cross. You ever see that? That's not how they anointed. They had six quarts of oil that they would pour and drench him. Now, that is, in a, that is a type and a shadow. There wasn't anything like in the, in the oil. It was a shadow of the anointing that we get to receive on this side of the cross of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we need to be drenched in the glory and the presence of God. Come on, we need to get back to the anointing, you guys. Stop doing it in our own strength, but drenched in the power of God. So what I want to do today is dress you from head to toe with priestly garments, okay? I want to show you how these priestly garments, the, the typology, if you will, in, in Bible school, they say typology. It's just the, that there's a shadow and a type. Those Old Testament ceremonies, they actually have deeper, deeper meaning. So I'm going to show you four articles of the priestly garments that if you dress yourself today with these four head to toe, I'm telling you, you're going to cultivate the anointing in your life. Amen, somebody? Y'all ready for this? Y'all okay if we study and we go a little bit deeper today? Come on. Exodus chapter 30 or 28 is where we're going to start. Here's the first article. It says this. Make a plate of pure gold. And this would look like the plates that you would put on a trophy, like one of those gold, like on the face of a trophy. That's what it was. Put a plate of pure gold and engrave on it as a seal. And this is big caps, holy to the Lord. Fasten a blue cord to it and attach it to the turban. It's to be in the front of the turban. So literally it'd be right here. It would sit right here on the forehead, a plate, okay, right here that, right, listen, right over your mind, right, right, right next to your, your eyes, not too far away from your ears. Holy is the Lord. Nothing goes in here. So the first thing, number one, write it down like this, is the turban and the seal. That's the first garment that a priest is to wear. What does that reveal to us? What does that mean? That means this, you guys, that if I want to cultivate the anointing of God, I, I got to have the protection of holiness around my mind. I have to. If I'm going to be a carrier of the presence of God, and I think more than ever, you guys, the world around us, there is an onslaught of ungodliness and, and worldliness. There's there, like everywhere you go. I don't watch live TV anymore. Anyone watch live TV anymore? Anyone like, like, but we have this app, and we're watching, we watch Big Brother still. Who watches Big Brother? Anyone Big Brother fan? Okay, been watching that thing since the very beginning, okay? But we watch it. That's probably the only thing I watch on live TV. I haven't seen commercials in forever, I feel like. But this commercial comes on, this, and it's like soft porn. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a razor commercial for the, for the bikini parts, 
And, and I'm like, I was like, whoa. I just had to look away at my eyes. I'm like, what is that? Like, like, I'm just saying, like, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. We're all so desensitized by it, I think. It's so prevalent. It's so out there. It's on those billboards. It's on that commercial. It's on the advertisement. It's, it's just, and so we're so desensitized by the level of, of the vulgarity. Wouldn't you love to have more of the anointing in your life? I mean, I'm not going to tell you exactly what that means for you, but if you want to carry the anointing, you got to grapple with this. You got to grapple and you got to decide for yourself what goes in there. Like this mind, because I want to carry the presence of God, this mind isn't going to think like other minds. No, 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 no. Holy to the Lord. These eyes aren't going to see what other eyes see. Holy to the Lord. These ears aren't going to be listening to other things. I am holy to the Lord. Holy, by the way, doesn't mean perfect. It means set apart. You would use the oil to consecrate things as well and set them apart for God's use and for God's purposes. Some say, well, Pastor Jason, just tell me where the line is. Tell me what shows I can watch. What should I listen to? I don't know where the line is. And, and even if I did, if I did tell you where the line is, you'd be listening to my voice and not his voice. You do it based upon my voice, and I'm not the voice. Thank you for giving me voice in your life. That you're, you're, but I'm not the voice. I'm just an echo. My whole job is to lead you to the good shepherd. That's who you need to listen to. And if you do, if you let him and you open up your life to him, he will show you and lead you in truth. But you got to grapple with this. Some of you aren't even grappling with it. You're not furnishing yourself saying, I am consecrated. I am holy. I am set apart. My mind is set apart. My eyes are set apart. My ears are set apart. And give it to God and say, what do you want this mind to think, God? What do you want these eyes to see? What do you want? Because this, I, I want to cultivate the anointing in my life. I don't want this to be robbed and dissipate. you got to give him permission. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body is going to be full of light. Oh, the eye is good. Your whole body, he says, is going to affect it. But if the eye is unhealthy, your whole body is full of darkness. Oh, what are you letting in? Do, do, do you have the garment of the golden plate on your holy to the Lord? You got to get away from some things. You got to separate yourself. If you want to cultivate the anointing of God, you got to separate your mind, your eyes, your ears. You got to be holy. You got to grapple with this. Here, uh, Ephesians chapter four says it like this. Paul, he says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. How do they live? In the futility of their thinking, that they're not monitoring what's going in their minds. So they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. And that's what I want from you. I don't want you just going to heaven and just like not, like separated from the presence of God here on earth. You're like, not having the anointing and the power and the presence of God. Because of the ignorance that this is in them, due to their hardening of their hearts, we've lost all, he says, sensitivity, having given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, full of greed, desensitized. So I like to say it like this, a little added note, write this down. What I starve dies, what I feed thrives. If you starve your flesh, your flesh will die. If you, if you feed your flesh, your flesh will thrive. If you starve your spirit, your spirit will die. But if you feed your spirit, your spirit will thrive. Okay, here's the next article of clothing in Exodus chapter 28. It says, whenever Aaron enters the holy place, 
He will bear the names of the sons of Israel. There's 12 names, the 12 tribes of Israel that he would bear over his, watch the position, over his heart. So this literally was a rope that tied around their neck and it had a plate over their chest. And on it was the 12 tribes, the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. And I love what it says on, it's called the breast piece of decision. So listen, you got names right now that are over your heart. And the names that are over your heart are determining how you make your decisions in this life. And you may not know this, but you are the sum total of all of your relationships, good or bad. And hopefully, hopefully Pastor Jason is one of the names you have over your heart. Hopefully Discovery Church is one of the names over your heart. But there are some other names over your heart, some, some names that like the people that hurt you, wounded you, let you down, like, like, broke a piece off when they even did it. And we're all making decisions based on the names that you have over your heart. Thus, he says, Aaron will always bear the means of making decisions for the Israelites over his heart before the Lord. The second article that you need to put on to cultivate the anointing is the breast piece of decision, it's called. The breast piece of decision. And here's what we need. (laughs) I must, if I'm gonna cultivate the anointing, I must have the right relationships over my heart. Oh, you gotta guard this heart if you wanna cultivate the anointing. Let me, just, let me just say, this is the reason why we do small groups here at Discovery. You need, there are some relationships that you need to, you need to distance yourself from. There are some names that they don't even belong in your life and on your heart, and you need to replace those with some new relationships that are pulling you towards the things of God, not away from the things of God. Okay, small groups, actually, the, the signups are open starting today. Go online or go on the app. I think there's like 138 small groups for you to choose from. One that's right for you fits your time, date, schedule, age, whatever. Fine. You got to get into the right relationships and put the right, if you want to cultivate the anointing, you got to have the right relationships over your heart. And that's why one of the most important decisions that you can make is to walk in forgiveness, to forgive people every day to not let offense and bitterness and hurt attach those names to your heart as long as you live on this planet and you connect with human beings on this planet these people are going to try to write names that don't belong on your heart are y'all living on the same planet i am you guys they're going to want they're going to write some names that just don't belong there and if you let that get in your spirit if you let that offense and that bitterness you get marked by that i know it hurt but it just doesn't belong to sit there on your heart jesus gave us this prayer the lord's prayer and it was supposed to be a model not like recite it perfectly he wasn't saying hey this is but he was just giving us a model on how to pray he didn't include everything in the prayer like he didn't say hey this is how you pray for your country he didn't include that not so it wasn't supposed to be everything but he did include forgiveness in the lord's prayer like every day, to make forgiveness a choice. And then in Matthew chapter six, you can go study this. In Matthew chapter six of the Lord's Prayer, right after the Lord's Prayer, he actually taught on forgiveness. So he included forgiveness in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us as we forgive others. And then he goes, and by the way, let me kind of teach you a little bit more about this forgiveness thing, which, and I think he did that because he's underscoring the importance of, like this has gotta be a daily choice that you make. You gotta choose to forgive people every day and ask God, God, what do I have? What names do I have written over my heart? What, what do I have there that shouldn't be there? And I am marked by the people that, have, that I have connected with, good and bad, throughout my life. And I've had to go to God and get, and get like relabeled, to relabel some things over my heart. Some of those experiences need to be redefined 
and redeemed. See, something like, like, yes, they're bad experiences, and you're still carrying that label and name. You haven't brought it to God so he can redefine that thing, so he can redeem it and turn it around. Listen to me, please. Fewer things will rob you of the anointing of God like offense and bitterness, like, like your relationships with other people. There are fewer things in this world and on this planet that will rob you of God's anointing and the presence of God in your life than, than the way you feel towards other people. So in Ephesians chapter four, he says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down. Sometimes I think the thing that happened to us is written in pencil over our heart, but then you go to sleep and it turns to ink. A tattoo artist comes in and just inks it in. While you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. So this is the exact opposite of the anointing. Man, I let this offense hold on. I let it engrave itself in my heart. Not only am I not cultivating the anointing, but I did the exact opposite. I invited the devil in and grabbed a foothold. I'm not responding to the spirit anymore. I'm responding to other spirits. There's, another, there's other spirits influencing me when I hold on to this thing. I'm telling you, there's nothing. There's fewer things greater than how you are feeling towards other people today that are robbing you of the anointing of God in your life. So he says, get rid of it, get rid of it. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, get rid of it. Get rid of it. I'm not talking about your wife. Stop it. Get rid of it. No, let's read it. The bitterness, bro. The rage, the anger, the brawling, the slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. How do we do that? You don't have to fix everything. You don't have to have a solution to everything. You don't. Everything, not everything's going to be fixed on this side of heaven, on this side of eternity. Here's, here's the solution. Forgive. Forgive each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. You see, I'll never have to forgive anybody more than God's forgiven me. And when you remember that, here's this principle, the forgiven forgive. Oh, and I remember how much I'm forgiven. It's easy for me to forgive others. But if I don't have a revelation or understanding of how great and vast the forgiveness of God is, then I'm going to hold on to that grudge and that offense for a long time. Okay, the next article of clothing, let's continue. Exodus chapter 28, verse 39. He says, weave the tunic of fine linen. And some of your translations may not translate it tunic. There's a lot of words, different use right there. The best word is underwear, really. It's underwear. Weave the underwear of linen and make the turban of fine linen as well. The sash is to be the work of an embroider. It, it's, so this part of, of the garment, of the priestly garment, is the part of the clothing that none of us can see. So, like, you got clothing on, I hope, that no one can see. We hope. We hope you got some, some undergarments on. That's why they call them underwear, right? So the Bible says that there's a part that nobody can see that needs to be woven of linen, meaning, like, the, the linen is, like, it has a, a wider gaps in it. It can breathe. Like, it, that, that fabric can, can, can breathe good. It breathes better. So this is the principle. Your underwear needs to breathe. So let me... Hold on, let me, let me teach it in a moment. I know that was going to mess you up a little bit, but let me, let, me teach the, let me say it the metaphoric way. The part of you that nobody sees needs to breathe, okay? The, the private world needs to breathe. Let me jump back to Ezekiel chapter 44 and just show you another verse about the same garment. When they enter the gates of the inner courts, they are to wear linen cloths, 
They must not wear any woolen garment. That'll make you sweat. You know, wool, it's a thick fabric woven. Linen is, is wider, okay? While ministering at the gates of the inner court or inside the temple, they are to wear linen turbans on their heads and linen undergarments. That's how they translate a tunic this time. Linen undergarments around their waist. They must not wear anything that makes them perspire, make them sweat. See, I told you, it's in the Bible. I'm not making this up, you guys. It's Bible, okay? So there has to be this private part of you. So the third, the third um, garment, if you will, is the undergarment of linen. The undergarment of linen. It's the private side of your life that nobody sees. It's the part of you that where God does his, his best work, his greatest work. It's the private part of you that when you stop doing and you stop moving, it's what's left. And here's why some of you don't stop doing and moving and striving is because you're afraid of what you'll see when only you are left. You're afraid of the private side of you, so you keep going, and you keep working, and you keep grinding, and you keep sweating, and sweating, and you don't breathe, because you, you just don't, you're afraid of what you'll find there. The private part of me that nobody sees, you guys, is my Monday. That's, that's like my private day. I disconnect on Monday. I always, I always take Veronica on a date, whether lunch or an evening date. It's my day to breathe. It's the undergarment part of my life, if you will. It's the part that if I don't take it, I sweat the rest of the week. Are you following what I'm saying, you guys? Okay. It's, it's the principle of anointing that you probably didn't know that was so important. If you want to cultivate the anointing in your life. Because some of you are like, yeah, the mind, yeah. We've got to hold mind and ears, and we've got to put the holies, consecrate ourselves, and you get that. And the hard thing, yeah, don't let unforgiveness and bitterness and the names, you, you understand that. But this one is a... Is a is one maybe you didn't understand is robbing you of, of the presence in the anointing of God. And this is where, if you want to cultivate the anointing in your life, I must have a schedule that produces rest in my soul. I must have a schedule that breathes, that produces rest. I want to speak strongly on this because I believe we're living in an epidemic right now that, that more people are abusing alcohol than ever before. More people are abusing drugs than ever before. More people are abusing medications than ever before. And in our city, in Bakersfield, this is like, like it's more than the national average right here in our, in our back door, you guys. We're medicating what God wanted to give us freely with a day off. We're trying to get artificially what God wanted to provide spiritually. Like some of you are sleeping a lot because of what you're, what you're drinking or what you're taking, but you're not resting in your soul. And we have to get back to taking care of our souls if you want to cultivate the anointing of God in our life. Isaiah chapter 30 says it like this. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you, he says, you wouldn't have any of that rest, would you? You just said, no, no, I can do more. I can keep going. I can, I can get another sale. I can do, I can, I can keep, no, no, I got the laptop now. I got my phone. I can just send that text real quick, real quick, real quick. And I, I can just get more. I can just do, do a little bit more. It's okay. And then he goes, therefore, you will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses, and you're fast on that thing. Man, you can book appointments. Man, you can get things done. Man, you're so productive. But he goes, therefore, your pursuers will be fast too. A thousand, look what he says, a thousand will flee at the threat of one, and at the threat of five, you will flee away. Look, what he's saying here is like, like in the moment 
You didn't, in the moment that you were supposed to fight the battle, you, you saw it differently. You didn't see it when the, when the opponent came, when the adversary came. That was a battle you were supposed to win, that you were supposed to fight, but you, instead of digging your feet in, you ran away from it because you didn't have the capacity in your soul to do what God wanted you to do. So you quit instead of fought. Are you hearing me, you guys? Like you didn't have, you didn't have an, a strong inner life. You were so outwardly running and focused and sweating and grinding that when the battle came, you thought it was strong. You, it was just one. It was just one battle and it was supposed to take you to the whole another level of glory God wanted to do. And you ran and you quit. You stopped. And you gave up because you didn't have capacity in your soul. Are you seeing that, you guys? Are you seeing this with me? So he goes, there, he goes, till all are left the flag stop on a mountaintop like a banner on a hill. Yet... The Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who, who wait. Stop. Cultivate anointing. Stop. Slow down and cultivate the presence of God in your life. Again, you're going to heaven. A lot of you in here, I would say, are going to heaven. Yes, just guesstimating. But, but you're, you're, not, like you're not carrying the presence of God. And you wonder why, like, like if we want the anointing and cultivate the anointing, we got to honor the Sabbath principle. Psalm 92 is the Sabbath chapter in, in the psalm. And it says this, a psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. That's how it begins. It says, it is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name. O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at nine. That's what we do on Sabbath day. We just worship. And then in verse 10, he says, I have been anointed with fresh oil. Oh, because I paused, because I stopped, because I honored the Sabbath. Men, and a fresh anointing came on me. Yeah, a Sabbath, y'all. And it's not just, I'm not saying a church service. Like, just, that's not... Your Sabbath is just a church service. It's like it should be for many of you. Or should, a church service should include your, your Sabbath. But it's not mine, by the way. It's not mine. Monday, again, Monday is my Sabbath, okay? I, that's how I know Lionel Richie was not a pastor. There's nothing easy about Sunday morning to me. It's easy like Monday morning. That's easy for me. <laughs> Psalm 92, it goes on to say, look, if you, if you do this, if you pause honor that sabbath and you stop man and you you just you you have a different rhythm in your life you will bear fruit even in your old age you'll bear fruit he goes on to say slow down so here's the principle if you want to cultivate the anointing keep the sabbath day holy keep the sabbath day holy and i want to challenge you man and i'm not challenging you to build a church i want to build you with this man like on your sunday on your sabbath day yeah come and Worship a service and then serve a service. Like bless people, serve people. But when you leave here, go eat something really good. Eat good. And if you want to eat healthy too, if that's good for you, good, okay? Eat healthy, do whatever you want. But go eat with the people you love and have conversation with them and, and, and then go take a nap. Chill. Football season's coming up, you know what I mean? Just put your feet up and watch some game, man. It's all good. Take a nap, wake back up, eat some leftovers, grab another donut, and take a nap again, bro. It's all good. And then and go with your, go grab your honey's hand or your, and go take a walk around the block or the park or go with your kids out and just go, go breathe, go experience. Just your inner life has to breathe. 
If you want to cultivate the anointing, I'm telling you, you got you to gotta sharpen the axe head. Okay, when it, with a dull axe head, you can try to chop down that tree and be productive as you want, but you're hitting that thing like 100 times to chop it down. If you just stop, stop and sharpen the axe head, you knock that thing down in four good swings. You're going to get more done honoring God's day of rest than you would by trying to get more appointments, get more money, get more work done. Okay? And I, and, and I know some of you got, you got all kind of crazy work schedules, but you do, listen to me, if you want to cultivate the anointing in your life, you do whatever you can to, to get this rhythm in your life, to, to slow down. The average person is touching their phone 2,718 times a day. We're addicted to it. We're addicted to busyness. And it's, it's just robbing us of the presence and the anointing of God. Okay, the last article of the priestly garments. You guys get anything out of this? Preaching on clothing to you today? Come on now. Exodus chapter 28. Make the robe of the ephod entirely of blue cloth. Make pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn around the hem of the robe. So this is a, a, a beautiful, like a Christmas robe. You know, like Santa Claus, his big old robe. This is what it looked like. And even they had gold bells between them. The gold bells and the pomegranates are to alternate around the hem of the robe. So down there at the bottom, Josephus, he's a Jewish historian, said there were 72 bells at the bottom of it. So (laughs) look what it says. It says, Aaron must wear it when he ministers. The sound of the bells will be heard. This is important, okay? God's like, I want the bells to be heard when he enters the holy place and when he comes out. Like when he, and he's coming and going, so that he will not die. He was jingling all the way. So this is the part, and maybe you haven't thought about this, right? Because the inner life part is important, but this is the outer life part. This is the part everybody sees now. Everybody hears. This is my, this is my, my family life. This is my work life. This is who, my public life now. That God goes, no, no, I, I, want you, I want you to put some bells on that thing. I want you're coming and you're going I want there to be some jingle. I want there to be a, 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 a sound. I want, I want you to, when you come and when you go, I want there to just be a presence, a sound as a priest. Like, like you go in and change that environment. When you leave, they know you left. When you showed up, they know you're there. I want you, I, I just need you to, to make a sound when you're, so, so here it is. Number four is the robe of, of bells. And I don't know if you've thought about this. Maybe the purity of mind makes sense to you. The heart thing makes sense. Even the Sabbath thing, after I explained it to you, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. But this is what the robe of bells means, that I gotta have an attitude of joy in my spirit if I wanna cultivate the anointing. Some of you have let your circumstances rob you of the presence of God. Things are not good, and, and you got to choose this joy. you gotta, you got to make it your choice to put on joy, to put it on. And so some of you are like, I'm just, oh, no, I hate my job. Monday morning's coming again. <laughs> oh, gosh. And, and it's just, and you're just, your face is all bleh, even droopy, and you're just complaining about it. And, and I'm telling you, like, the, God's not in it. God, it's not in your complaining. It's not in your criticizing. It's not in your moping. But I'm telling you, when you choose joy, you attract the presence of God. God is attracted to joy. Someone asked me just recently, they say, Pastor Jason, you preach the same message four times? Four times in a row you preach that message, the same one? And, and I'm like, yeah, I do. Every, every time. He's like, how do, you, how do you do that with the same joy? 
And I, and I told him, it's a choice. Because sometimes, like in the evening service, sometimes I don't want to come back here and preach the same message. I'm like, I gotta, give me a new word, man. I don't, I don't, I've preached it three times. Can I preach something else, you know? Especially in like our big day services, Easter and Christmas, when I preach like eight sermons, the same sermon. I'm like, give, God, I don't want to do it. So here, you know, honestly, I'm just being honest with you guys. I choose to have... I choose joy and I choose to come into this place every service and deliver a fresh word like it's the first time for you. And I feel like when I choose it, every time I choose it, I feel like God smiles on me. I feel the smile of my father over my life. I feel the presence of God and the anointing of God every time I choose joy. Philippians chapter four, verse four says, rejoice in the Lord always, always. So, what, what are you allowing to rob the anointing? What circumstance? Because if you want to cultivate the anointing in your life, then you're going to have to, at all times, even when it is bad, you're going to have to put the bells on. God wants you to go to work different tomorrow. God wants you to, he wants you to step into that place jingling. Put a smile on, a spirit on, something in you, and people are going, what in the world? They, don't, they won't know. They're like, They'll be like, what is it? Do you do, did you start yoga? Did you start yoga? Something different about you. Yeah. No, I chose joy today. I got the joy of the Lord in me. You know what I mean? Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, Paul says that what has happened to me, and he was in prison, by the way, beaten and in prison, and he goes, hey, guys, this is Paul writing this. What's happened to me has actually um, served to advance the gospel. So, so look here. To choose joy you got to look beyond the moment and focus on what really matters. If you get caught in the moment, the enemy will rob your joy. We'll rob the anointing. And if you want to cultivate it, you got to look beyond. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt, it doesn't suck. There's some situations that are difficult that you're going into. But you need to look beyond that. Allow God to redefine that and say, no, no, no. But God's going to use me in this. I'm choosing joy. Amen? Y'all need to choose it. Some of you guys have been serving loving God, maybe even going through the motions. But you know you're in your own strength. And God isn't going to, he's not going to take your kids away, like I said. He's going to allow you to still be a parent. He's going to allow you to still have that job. And he's going to allow you to still serve and do that thing. But, and maybe people are looking at some of you going, wow, you're such, this guy, you're a man of God, woman of God. You're, good. you're a Christian. And you have people look at you like that, but in your heart you know that you can, you can work the crowd, but you ain't working God no more. Because you're operating in your own, in your own strength. You're not carrying the presence and the anointing. You're doing it yourself. Because you're pretty smart and you're pretty strong. You're pretty talented. And you can get away with it. And you need to surrender. Can I pray that over your life? Come on, every head bowed up in this place, every eye closed. Can we surrender again? And I know you like a lot for a lot of you, this is like you're going to heaven. But God wants you anointed. He's, he's, got a, he's got fresh oil for you. He wants to drench you, six quarts of his oil, from head to toe. He wants to anoint you for what he's called you to do. Mom, dad, for, child, student, like, he wants to anoint you for the assignment. You're his priest. Right where you are, wherever you work, whatever you do, you're his anointed one. God, we need you. Forgive us for doing it ourselves, going through the motions, 
doing it in our own mind, our own strength. God, we need you. 